It's the Last Stand Podcast. And here's your host, Brian Custer. That's right, Last Stand Podcast. I am Brian Custer. We bring you the biggest name, sports, entertainment, and today, our guest, NBA champion. But most of you know him now for his social activism because he, since the death of his good friend, George Floyd, he has been on a mission, not only for social justice, but racial equality. He is none other than Steven Jackson. Steven, Stack, welcome to the Last Stand Podcast, my brother. All right, thanks for having me, man. Glad to be here. You know we family. Absolutely. I appreciate you, man. And look, I mean, you have gone through a whole lot. You've been crisscrossing the country. My first question to you is, how is Steven Jackson doing mentally, personally? How are you doing? Be I honestly, you know, I've been asked that question. I honestly don't know how I'm doing. Uh, so much been going on. Uh, a road that's fell in my lap when my brother was murdered and uh, a road that I've embraced. And uh, 18 countries, 50 states later, you know, people behind me protesting and fighting for uh, equality and fighting for justice. So um, I don't know how I'm doing. I know I'm doing something. I'm fighting for something that's bigger than me. And I know I'm making everybody around me proud. So I'm just living with that and I'm living off that. Um, I know how I felt uh, when I first saw that video uh, of George Floyd's death and his murder. Um, but you grew up with him. You called him your twin. Um, can you even put into words what it was like when you were shown the video by your daughter? Uh, well, first I was sleeping with my daughter and my girlfriend's mom. We talk about police brutality all the time. She always send me videos. Well, she sent me the video while I was sleeping with my daughter. And I looked at it and I'm like, well, they didn't kill, they didn't kill another black man. Not even really paying attention. As I click out that message, I have like 50 messages. And there's one from my friend, Mike D. And he's like, man, you see what they did your twin in Minnesota? And as soon as I read that, it, it instantly correlated with the message I just got from my mom and the video. And I just lost it. I got to screaming, throwing stuff. I scared the mess out of my daughter. And um, I, w I, w I was messed up for a good day. But, you know, I, I, I snapped out of it and because I actually seen myself down there. We look so much alike. He's the closest person to me that I ever have on this earth to a twin because we look that much alike. And uh, we wasn't real brothers, we wasn't real twins, but we looked that much alike. And uh, I saw myself down there being a black man. It, it could have easily been me. So I just wanted to use my voice and do what I can to help shed light and keep the attention on what happened to my brother. Cause so many times stuff like this happened to black men and it just gets swept under the rug. Um, I know if I wouldn't have spoke up and if I wouldn't have stood out, this situation would have been totally different. We wouldn't be talking about George Floyd. You know, so I'm glad I was able to use my voice. I'm glad my brother's name is going to be the name of change. And uh, I'm fighting for that until I die. And, you know, when we see it, I think as black men, you get so angry. But when it's somebody who is that close to you, can you put into words what that feeling like? Because, you know, for me, I can see it. I can be angry. But you're, there's a connection. There. That's family. What is that like? You know, and, and, and it's funny you say that, B, because I see a lot of people at these protests. I see a lot of people at the murals when I'm, when I'm there crying and stuff like that. And I want people to understand that this is not a photo op for us. We really lost somebody. You know, I, lo I lost the closest I could have to a twin, somebody that genuinely supported me without, a, without an ulterior motive. You know, he, he was a guy that wanted to provide and protect for everybody. And he died being that. And what a lot of people don't know, B, is the day he got murdered, 
he had just went to two job interviews and one of the one of the ladies from the place where he went and had a job interview she dm me and told me he had actually got the job and mm. as she said if he came in there it was a bad day when he came in he brightened up the whole office and when they seen it was him they was destroyed because he had got the job and he had changed the whole vibe around their office that day so my, my, my brother was somebody who stood for the right thing and he was trying to change his life and I hate he had to die because he shows so much love and he died for somebody who shows so much hate. You know, I saw the video of you holding uh, his six-year-old daughter, Gianna, uh, and I remember her saying, you know, my daddy has changed the whole world. Do you think she has a, a full understanding of the magnitude of his death and what it's done to awaken this country? Uh, I don't think she does because she's still distraught. You know, she's still, she's still going through a lot, you know, uh, till this day, you know, we'll be talking and she'll have a conversation. She'll be like, Uncle Steve, is my daddy going to be there? Like, so she, she still doesn't understand, man. That's what hurts so much. You know, she, the whole world seen her daddy get murdered for no reason. And uh, it's something she gonna have to deal with. So I, I know when a lot of people come around and they wanna take pictures and doing all this stuff, you gotta realize that we really lost somebody. This is our real pain that we're showing and that's why we are fighting so hard for justice. You know, since um, George Floyd's death, I mean, you have been crisscrossing the country, Jack. I've seen you everywhere. Uh, I know you're going to Flint to help them, uh, the fight for clean water there. You've been in Kentucky calling for justice for Breonna Taylor. Uh, Minneapolis, obviously, um, give us a sense of what the, let's say the last month has been for Steven Jackson. It's been, it's been crazy, man. Um, protests after protests after protests, um, seven to 10 interviews a day, uh, with, with trying to find time for my kids and myself, um, and trying to find time to grieve. Like people don't know, uh, I've lost at least seven close friends in the last year, you know, real close friends, uh, people that I grew up with, you know, and, and Kobe and Floyd was back to back. So it, it, it's, it's been a lot, you know, and um, I'm just trying to lead by example, you know, um, with this role I have, a lot of people gonna come at me in different ways. You know, no, nobody expected a ghetto kid from Port Arthur, Texas with no college degree to have the whole world following him and standing for love and standing for, you know, for all races, you know, e even with the stuff going on today with, uh, um, with the Deshaun Jackson stuff, you know, uh, people are coming at me from all types of different ways because they know I stand on the side of love. And there's so many people with hate that hate to see change happening. Change is actually starting to happen. So um, a, lot of, a lot of things are coming at a different ways, but I'm embracing it all. I have a great support system. Uh, I, I, I have a great group of a group a group a group of people that that help me uh to help educate me and understand a lot of things that's going on that i need to know going forward because i don't know everything b uh like i said this 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 was placed in my lap and i'm leading off of love i'm leading off doing what's right and um it, everybody might not understand it but i'm with i'm with, i'm embracing that and i'm doing what i can for change and who who do you seek counsel from you know because of this new role that you have I'm sure there have been some very influential people uh, who have come to you. Who have you, who does Stephen Jackson go to seek counsel from? Because you have said some prophetic stuff uh, that has really inspired people. Who do you go to get counsel from? 
Well, well, one person is the minister Farrakhan. You know, I, I, I don't know one person on this earth that loves black people more than him. I, I haven't seen one person. He, he and, and one thing about him is a lot of people say a lot of things about him, but out of conversations we had, I've never heard the word hate one time. You know, and, 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 and what I want people to understand is I'm my own person. B, you know me. You know me very well. I love everybody. And you can say that because you know me. Yep. But I understand that uh, Farrakhan loves black people more than anybody. So that's, that's a lot of knowledge that he has about us that I need to get from him. But I also talk to other people, you know, just like you said, I got on, I got on live with, with, a, with a Jewish guy that I don't even know just to get some understanding. Because a lot of things, especially as black men, our words get twisted when you don't even hear it out of our mouth. You see what I'm saying? Our words get twisted. So I think uh, Minister Farrakhan is one of them. Also, Tamika Mallory, uh, Van Lathan, uh, Mark Lamont Hill, uh, Al Harrington. It's, it's a lot of people. I, I, I've even had conversations with, um, with uh, Mahmoud Raouf. You know, so I, I'm, I'm having conversations with a lot of people. And even some of my white friends who I'm real close to, Mark Cuban. It's a lot of people that I've talked to that I've, got, that I've gotten understanding from. Even Steve Kerr, he reached out. We had a conversation. Even the commissioner of the NBA reached out. So it's a lot of people that I'm talking to from all races and everybody because they understand I stand for everybody. But it's a lot of stuff I don't know. And I'm fine with saying I don't, I don't know it because it's a lot I have to learn because I haven't been in this position my whole life. I'm a basketball player that led off love that was always my brother's keeper. I almost lost my job twice in the NBA for defending my brother. So defending my, my, my earthly twin is nothing new. You know, it's nothing new to me. But I, I just, I just, I'm just going to continue to do what I got to do. And the people that don't understand me, eventually they will. You know, and it, it's not my job to make them understand me. Um, you know, as you, you pointed out, you've always been a basketball player. Uh, even after you retired playing in the big three, um, you've got this successful podcast, All the Smoke uh, podcast. So now you're a podcaster as well uh, with your friend Matt Barnes. Um, but do you now, do you have a new calling? Uh, yeah, I definitely do. Um, being in Minnesota when that first happened to my brother, I was there standing for him and his family and his daughter. As I've been there, I've heard so many cases from mothers who lost their sons due to police violence that don't have a Stephen Jackson to speak up for them. They just stuck there to deal with their pain, crying with no other help. And some of these women, their sons were their only child. So... I felt it's my duty to be their voice. I felt it's my duty to, 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 to be selfless and stand for something bigger than me, you know? And, and I didn't ask for it. I know, I know God, everything I've been through in my life, he's prepared me for this moment. That was, that was a text I got for Bun B because don't nobody know me better than Bun B. And it made me realize all the hardships, the ups and downs, the, me being a man at a young age, and trying to, everything I've been through has prepared me for this moment. And I'm embracing it being, if I, and, and if I die, trying to make change and make this place a better world. My purpose is this, this is my purpose way more than playing a game of basketball. I'm embracing. Well, listen, you've inspired a number of people. I mean, even after it happened and you inspired me. And when I heard you speak there in Minneapolis, you know, I, I felt like I had to go out to some of these protests and some of the rallies and participate in some of them. That's just, you know, uh, some of the things that you've done for others. And, and when you saw Stephen, the thousands, I'm talking the thousands of people, and I'm, I'm talking around the world, uh, protesting, rallying, rallying, uh, shouting George Floyd's name, um, uh, screaming Black Lives Matter. What do you think? How did that hit you emotionally when you saw that, all of that on the tube? 
it makes me emotional now just even think about it because that's who George was. Like he loved everybody. He cared about everybody. You know, he, he wanted to provide for everybody and, and, and the world standing behind us and fighting for us. Um, it, it's a beautiful thing, man. I, I never would have expected it, but George used to tell his, 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 his closest friend, the closest person to him on this earth was his own boy, Milton, AKA po boy. He used to tell him all the time, one day, bro, old Georgie gonna get us to the top. One day, old Georgie gonna get us to the top. And I, I hate it had to be this way, but at least his death is not going in vain. And he has changed so many people's lives, even mine. You know, my, 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 my lane and my name was already was stamped. But by him passing, getting murdered, and me stepping up, it's put me in a position I never thought I'd be in. So he's changed a lot of people's lives, and I'm just happy his death not gonna be going in vain. You know, one of the statements that you made that was so profound when you said, listen, I got love for all who have love for all. Expound on that for those who didn't understand what you were talking about. Expound on that. Well, that I, I had to make sure that that was a phrase I owned because I created and it's something I stand on my whole life. Love for all who have love for all. If you love everybody, then you can stand with me. I love you. But if you have any hate in your blood for any other race, then you can't stand with me. You, you can't be, I don't want to be around you. It's my job to push you out. This, where, where we are now, is more people that stand on the side of love than stand on the side of hate. And if we understand that, then we can push them out. Love for all who have love for all is clear. If you love everybody, then I love you. What do you say to uh, people when they see, hey, they see Black Lives Matter or they hear people say Black Lives Matter and they say, no, 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 all lives matter. Why should Black Lives Matter more than white lives? Why should Black Lives Matter more than Asian lives? Why should Black Lives Matter more than blue lives matter? All lives matter. Yeah, and, and, and I understand that. But what they need to understand is Black Lives Matter doesn't mean all lives don't matter. It means that we matter as well. It means that we're getting killed by police senselessly. Number night after night after night. Just think about it. My brother's been, de been dead a month and a, a couple days. It's been over 180 shootings or murders by police since. 180. So we're not fighting for nothing. We just want to be equal. And, and it's simple. The Deshaun Jackson situation is a perfect example. Riley Cooper said the N-word publicly, got a slap on the wrist, and got a contract extension. Deshaun Jackson posted something about Hitler, which was totally wrong. He probably didn't understand what he was posting. And they, they said if he didn't apologize, they was going to fire him. Riley Cooper, Riley Cooper didn't get, didn't, uh, they, didn't, they didn't say nothing about firing him or apologizing. So when we say Black Lives Matter, we just want to be treated equal. It's not Black Lives are better than any other race. We just want equality all the way across the board. Um, Derek Chauvin who knelt on George Floyd's neck and killed him. He's been charged with second degree murder, uh, manslaughter. The other three officers have been charged with aiding and abetting. They're out on, on bail. In your opinion, Jack, what would be justice in this case? You know, it's, it's, I don't really know what justice is because we've never seen it. So I really don't know what justice is, but in my mind, justice is all those guys going to jail for the rest of their life. I think, for perfect example, black men, and even even uh, browns, uh, Spanish men, a traffic ticket, uh, back child support, 
The whole task force is coming to our house, dragging us out the house, embarrassing us for our whole neighborhood to see and making us walk the walk of shame. These guys murdered my brother for the world to see, but we didn't see any public arrest. We didn't see anything like that. You know what I mean? So justice to me is I really don't know because we've seen so many murders by police and nobody's in jail. Everybody's getting off with paid leave and stuff like that. So I don't know what justice is, but in my mind, those guys being in jail and getting charged for murder just as they would any other race. Mm. Um, let's go globally now. Um, all, with all the protests, uh, all of the rallies, we, we've seen uh, the tearing down of some of these Confederate statues, things of that nature. What would, what would you like to see to be the end result of everything? Statues don't mean nothing. That's all a smoke screen. Uh, singing uh, the, 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 uh, the Black National Anthem before the NFL games, that's all a smoke screen. All these people that run these organizations, that run these leagues have the power to demand change now. And I mean laws and policies that need to be changed to force them to treat us as equals. And that's point blank. We don't need no song. We can sing that song by ourselves, lift every voice to sing. We can sing that by ourselves and know the words instead of being at an arena with 20,000 people and half of them don't even know the words. That's, I, 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 I'm not falling for the smoke screen, B. Taking the statues down, that's only right. You ain't doing us no favor. We don't even, we don't go um, look at those statues anyway. So you ain't doing us no favor. Get these laws and policies changed where we're not getting treated like animals and we're getting treated like people all across the board. I posted something yesterday, B, and, and, and this is the facts that people don't like. NFL and NBA is down to 80%, but the sports writers that are black is like 12%. Why is that? These are the facts, that, and this is why we fight for equality. We got 80% of the NBA, but how many black owners we got? How many black coaches we got? It's not right. And it's not that we're not qualified. Experience is the best teacher. We just not offered these jobs, and that's what we fighting for. We fighting for equality. It's not rocket science. They want to make it about this and about that, B. It's not rocket science. We treat everybody equal. We treat everybody the same, and we just want this. We want to be treated the same. We're not asking. That's the thing. That's what's bothering people. We're holding people accountable. You can't say you support me from a DM, but when you see me marching, you know we're around. You can't send me a text saying you love black people, you down with the cause, but when we get murdered in the streets and when we gotta stand up, you know we're around. We're holding people accountable. It ain't being racist. It's just, if you love me and you love me being here, you love my race, then I expect you to stand for me for love for all. And that's it. You can't, you, you can't support me from a distance. You have to stand with me now. And holding people accountable, B, is making people uncomfortable. But that's my intentions. You know, you're right. And you must be reading my mind because my next question to you, uh, as you were talking, I was going to ask you, what do you think about all of these networks, all of these companies that as soon as it, uh, the death happened, they sent out all of these statements? You know, uh, we support Black Lives Matter. Uh, we support Black Stories. What did you think about all of these companies and networks that sent out statements? Well, I mean, it's a smokescreen. I'm not falling for it. Listen, man, and then, then this is another thing, B. The first thing they say when we get to talking like this, well, y'all need to handle black on black. Y'all need to stop killing each other first when we start having these conversations. Well, I got an answer for them. Let us handle that because we have the answer to that. When we become equal and when y'all start spending these same monies, same money in our neighborhoods that y'all spend in these suburbs and these nice neighborhoods and our ghettos and our slums start to look like that, where we have money, we have a nice neighborhood, and we can build businesses, black businesses in our neighborhoods, 
when we can start circulating the money in our neighborhood, we don't have to kill each other and wrestle over a dime, the economics will change, then the killing will stop. So that's the answer for y'all. So we need y'all to help us get equality. We need help y'all to get these laws changed so we treat it as equal and we'll take care of our own community. We'll take care of our own people. You know what I mean? And that's the answer to that. What, what did you think about overall? And I'm talking from since George's death and, and even now forward. What do you think about uh, Donald Trump's response to everything, especially when he came out and said Black Lives Matter is a symbol of hate? I don't even really pay attention to him. You know what I mean? Because at, 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 this, at this point, it's clear what he's about. You know, it, it's clear what he's about. He's not, he's, he's not about bringing nobody together. You know, and then, and then again, we got to look at We got to look at it. This is a reality star that we have at present. People forget about that. This is a reality star that we have at president. So this is expected for him to be handling everything wrong, saying the wrong things, posting stuff on Twitter he shouldn't say, and just hate. And the best thing about him being president, well, he exploited all the races. He don't even know what he done. The best thing about him being president, he made all the races come out and they can't hide no more. So now we know who not with us. I thank you for that, Donald Trump. I thank you for that. I didn't expect you to lead us. I didn't expect you to take us to the promised land. I didn't expect nothing to change when he was in office. But I didn't expect you to exploit your own people. Thank you. Mm. Mm. Um, let's talk some hoop. Um, something that you've done all your life. Obviously, basketball's back. The NBA is back. Uh, they're in the bubble. They're in Orlando. Uh, if you were still playing right now in the league, Nope. Would Steven Jackson go to Orlando and be playing right now? No, not at all. I wouldn't have played. Actually, I got cut a couple a, a couple month or two before the Donald Sterling stuff came out. And you know, I made that song a video. That's why I never played. With all this going on, knowing that we have a chance to make change now, no way I would have played. I wouldn't even thought about it. Because this is what a lot of people don't know. Stack been doing his homework. The government owns. Disney. Disney has a partnership with ESPN. ESPN has a partnership with the NBA. They play the games. It's all correlated to make money and take the tension off what we, the, off the task at hand. I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I have common sense. And I know all those companies are tied into each other. If they were concerned about getting change, if they were concerned about the health of their players and not worrying about money and keeping the league going, it then they wouldn't even be talking about bringing the season back, but they can care less about the players' health. They can care less about anything but making money and getting these games back on ESPN. And that's the harsh truth. Mm. Um, league has come to an agreement where they're going to let players uh, have that social justice statement uh, on their jerseys. You know, you, you've talked about the commissioner certainly been vocal. You've talked about how he's contacted you, Mark Cuban, uh, of the Mavericks. Seems like he's the only NBA governor, though, who has spoken out and put his money into some social justice programs. What does that say about the league when it, you've just had one governor who's really spoken out about it? It says a lot. Common sense. It says a lot. For one owner to speak up about what's going on, and you have 80% dominant basketball league, and most of your players in the Hall of Fame are black, most of the players that you get to do commercials about this league are black, but you have one owner speak out 
about what's going on, that says a lot. I don't even have to say nothing else. Mm. What do you say to the players who said, you know what, we're going to play and I'm going to play because with me playing, I think I'll have a bigger platform because they're gonna, I'm going to get interviewed every night and I can speak on some of the problems that are going on every night. You know, that could be it. But speaking only does so much. We need action. And then again, Black Lives Matter can be on the court. They can do the PSAs, commercials, at, you know, at halftime. But when they get interviewed, it's still, it's still a small arrow, a small, a small little um, square of what they can say. They can't say what they want to say. You know what I'm saying? It's still scripted to some type of way. They can't, they can't be passionate and really say how they feel doing these interviews in the middle of a game. So they got, trust me, everything is going to be watered down. When they interview me, I ain't biting my tongue. I'm saying how I really feel, and I'm standing up wherever I'm at. Halftime of the NBA game, you can't do that. So they still have a little leash on me. Um, Kelly Loeffler, who was uh, co-owner of the Atlanta Dream, uh, wrote uh, the commissioner there, the WNBA, said she did not want uh, Black Lives Matter on the ladies' jerseys. She wanted the American flag uh, on there. Certainly have gotten a lot of brush back. What about you? If you were still playing and uh, your owner did something like that, how would you handle that? I would lose it. Because you want us to put something on the flag that, say, that stands for one nation under God. We're not one nation under God. We ain't never been. Not, we, we, we've, we've never been standing together. We've been getting treated like this for 400 plus years. And you want us to represent something that, 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 that treats us like shit? It don't work like that. It don't work like that. And that shows how uneducated, how naive she is to what's going on today. Not what went on 50 years ago. Not what went on 200, 300 years ago. We talk about what's going on today. And if you're naive to what's going on today, that say a lot about you. Yeah. Um, is, there, is there a, a white athlete who is, um, let's say he is so high profile that he could take this movement to an even bigger level if he came out, fully embraced uh, the movement, and talked publicly all the time about his movement and urged his people to do the same thing. Is there a, a, a white athlete who could really help this movement? And if so, who would it be? If I had to pick a white athlete, it would be two that I would pick. I would pick Tom Brady, and I will also pick Mike Miller. Let me tell you why I pick Mike Miller. I've never played with Mike Miller, but his whole NBA career, he was a guy that you knew seen both sides. He was a guy that came into the NBA with the black, with, with, with the respect of black people and the, the, he carried himself like a black guy, but he knew he was white and he didn't try to be black. You know what I'm saying? That's the type of people, the allies we need. They're comfortable with being white, they know they white, but understand us. You know what I'm saying? So if I had to pick two guys that I knew that gonna stand with me the right way and not undercut me or not be talking about me when they with their people, it, it would definitely be Mike Miller. And, uh, and I don't know Tom Brady like that, but Mike Miller, I'm just speaking on Tom Brady because he's the GOAT right now. But Mike Miller is a guy that I know that can stand on the side of me and fight for equality just as much as I am. 
um, we have talked about basketball being back. So let's talk some basketball really quick here. In your opinion, uh, best team in the East, best team in the West. Best team in the East, I'm going, uh, I'm still going Boston. I like Boston. Uh, but I got Miami sneaking up on somebody in the playoffs. But on the West, I got L.A. I don't, I don't see nobody. I've never seen the dynamic of LeBron and a player like Anthony Davis. If they can stay healthy, I think they can pull it off. But I don't, you know, I don't really see nobody beating them in a seven-game series. And not the Milwaukee Bucks, huh? Not the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't, I don't, I don't think the, they added a lot of big men, and they needed more shooters. Um, I, just, I, just, I just don't see Greek Freak getting to a championship out of the East with that team. I, I honestly see Greek leaving. Mm. Mm. Uh, who you got winning it all? I got the Lakers. Like I said, the LeBron and AD, LeBron has never had a player with the caliber AD. He had Kyrie, but that was a guard. He never had Tim Duncan on steroids. And that's basically what AD is. You know, Tim Duncan can shoot threes. AD shoot threes. He can do all this type of stuff. And, he, he, and he's athletic. Uh, LeBron has never had a player like Anthony Davis. So it's going to be hard to see somebody stop both of them in the seven-game series. You know, you've heard a number of players, whether it's Dame Lillard and uh, some other veterans said, my concern is some of the my fellow players, especially the young guys, he said, you know, they don't listen to rules when we're in regular season. Now you're expecting them to be stay quarantined in a bubble and not venture out. How much of a concern do you think that is? That's going to be a big problem, man. Listen, you can't tell half these people what to do when you have a rule book and they don't follow the rules, let alone – being Orlando where they're in a bubble and they feel boxed in. I, I, I just don't see that working, man. I think more and more people are gonna get sick because I, th I don't know, a lot of people ain't being honest with themselves, you know? And, and then you gotta think too. Now, with the NBA coming back, a lot of these guys, everybody's in shape, everybody's coming back, everybody's feeling like they're, they're, they're their best and they're starting the season off. But what a lot of people don't know is this when injuries happen when you have layoffs and you just thrown back into the fire. So a, a lot of things are going to be different with this league this year. Um, I just wish they didn't come back and, and help. Cause let me tell you this B and tell me if I'm wrong. LeBron James has the power. I love LeBron. He's the greatest athlete of all time to me. Not the greatest basketball player. Jordan is, but he's the greatest athlete of all time for many reasons. If he stood up and said, look, NBA, we need these five laws and these five policies changed right now for equality or we're not playing. It's done. And the season will continue after that because they'll do it so fast they don't miss no games. That's, how, that's, that's just how I wish people would look at stuff when they have that much power. You know what I mean? And that's, that, that's just how I look at things because I know me, if I was in that situation, that's what I would have done. Uh, before we get to listener questions, I want to talk about one of our podcast partners, uh, the all-natural B1 patch. And listen, uh, I use it as well. All you got to do is stick it on, peel it, stick, and just in a few minutes, you feel the B1 vitamin, the thiamine. It boosts your immunity, uh, immune system, gives you focus, gives you energy. If you're into working out like myself, it's going to help you recover a lot better Buy the B1 patch. All you got to do is go to buyb1.com. And when you do, use the promo code BC3 and you get a discount on your order. If you want to boost your immune system, if you want to have some energy, have focus, and help your workouts, get the all-natural, it's natural, B1 patch. Use the promo code BC3. 
we always ask people who listen and watch the podcast to send some questions. We got a number of them uh, for you. So I'll just get Let's right to them here uh, for you, Stephen. First one comes from Bo uh, on Facebook. He says, your cat says faith. Uh, who or what do you have faith in? I have faith in God. I have a faith in myself. And that's where it stops. I have faith in God. I have faith in myself. I really don't put too much faith in any other people because people will let you down. They have let you down. God has never let me down. I've let myself down, but I have faith in myself, but no other faith in God. Vince uh, from Facebook says, how has your transition from player to media personality affected your relationships? Uh, it hasn't because I'm the same guy. The same stuff I say on TV, I say off camera. <laughs> so right. I, I haven't compromised nothing, man. I'm, I'm being me at all times. I think um, it was a blessing to be able to, to do commentating and be in the media side after basketball because I'm very intelligent on the, on, on, on the game of basketball. I have a high basketball IQ. And I, a lot of stuff I speak is from the heart. I wear my emotions on my sleeve, and I love everybody. So um, this is something that was meant for me. Uh, from Twitter. Uh, Jeff from Twitter says, what do you think of Ice Cube's contract with Black America? Uh, I like it. I mean, some, it's, 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 it's some things that, that probably could be changed a little bit in there, but I like where he's going. You know, I, I, I support. He's trying to come up with a solution. He's trying to come up with answers so I can support that. You can't expect it to be right from the jump because if that's the case, it would have been right 400 years ago. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's going to take some time to get it right, but he's taking that step. You know what I'm saying? He, he's leading and taking that step to try to get changed. So I, I, I wouldn't say everything is right on there, but it's a great start, and I support him. Uh, Jonathan from Twitter, and you, you've kind of already addressed this, but here we go. Jonathan says, why do you support J Deshaun Jackson's anti-Semitic post if you have love for all? Well, I, I do have love for all, and I didn't support the post as far as Hitler and him supporting Hitler. I don't support Hitler. I don't know nothing about Hitler. I don't, and I can give a fuck about Hitler. All I know, he was a cruel guy. I don't stand for that, and I don't support it. My whole uh, reason for supporting D-Jack was before I got on Instagram, he called me on the phone and told me that they were threatening to fire him, but they didn't do that to Cooper. And I'm like, you're right. You shouldn't have to apologize if they didn't make him apologize. And that was my whole stunt. I don't hate Jews. I don't support Hitler. But they are wrong for how they handling D-Jack. Because Cooper said the N-word publicly at a concert. They slapped him on the wrist, and he got a contract extension. Never talked about being fired. But they want to fire D-Jack. And see, a lot of people tried to deflect that I called the owner out on how he handled the black man and the white man and tried to deflect and made it seem like I hated Jews and I was supporting Hitler. Today I'm saying to you, Brian, fuck Hitler. I love Jews and I love everybody and I stand on love for all who have love for all. Have you had any conversations at all with Colin Kaepernick? Never have. Never have. I never met him. Uh, no, no, no conversation with him, but, I, but I'm a big supporter of his. Um, finally here, let me come to the last segment of this podcast. Jack, we call it the last stand. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. You just give me the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Gotcha. All right, here we go. Should the winner of this season's NBA championship have an asterisk yep. by their name in the, in the, in the uh, book? Yep. Mm, why? Because then this normally, and this I'm going to make, you know, I make, I make stuff real common to make, so you can understand it, B. This point of the season, you have teams that's healthy. You have teams that's injured. 
and a lot of guys are beat up. So that's part of that's part of the 82 game season. You have to take care of your body and be healthy and 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 deal with the ups and downs of the game and play in the postseason where you still can deal with all that. Some people can't go through the whole season, 82 games, and still play well in the playoffs. So the reason why I say it's an asterisk, because you're taking away from those guys who really care about the game, who really take care of themselves, who really are great because they can play 82 games, be beat up, and still perform in the playoffs. Now you got everybody healthy, so anybody can win it. Anybody can win it. So it's an asterisk to me because being able to play 82 games, going through the, the beating and bruising that you take, getting hurt, playing through injuries, and still win a championship, that means more to me because I've done it. I want you to think about this next question very carefully. Yes. Jack, give me the longest period of time that you have gone without smoking some weed. Ooh. <laughs> I knew I was going to get you on that one. Oh, my God. The longest period of time I've went without smoking weed, probably a month or two. Okay, okay. And, and that's been since I was 11 and 12. <laughs> and, and, and probably, I've been smoking since I was 11 and 12, and the probably the only time I had to stop was when I was in the NBA and I was in a drug program and I had to take a test to right. get clean. That's probably the only time I stopped. Wow. And, and, and even when you were in the NBA, you had to take those tests. Did you, I mean, do you get them in the season? Do y'all know when they're coming? Do you have yeah, to stop? Yeah. We, we, we had randoms. We had randoms, you know, at the beginning of my career, it was, it was, uh, it was one drug test. Then it got to four drug tests, random. And you got to find ways to beat the system, man. You got to find ways to beat the system. Because of me, I wouldn't have made it 14 years if I didn't smoke. <laughs> okay. Uh, when the malice in the palace happened, and, and before you got suspended and, and fined, there was so much talk about you and Ron Artest just being bad guys. Did, did you think when you were at, at, at your crib alone, man, my career may be over? No, I did. I did because we, we you know, at that time, B, we couldn't control the narrative. You know, we, 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 we had no say-so. We didn't have no shows. We didn't have the no boardroom. Yeah, we didn't have social media. We didn't have none of that. So if I had social media, it would have been different because I could have highlighted, excuse me, I could have highlighted how two beers were thrown in Ron's face and that's assault. Both of those, and that should be assault to both on both of those guys. So we should have it should have been self-defense for us. But I definitely thought my, my job was over because um, we did something that had never been done. We fought fans, but we were assaulted. You know what I mean? But nobody looked at that because we were young, rich black men playing an NBA. Y'all supposed to be bigger than that. Yeah. But wow. when I got home and I realized what we have done, I definitely thought I didn't have a, I didn't have a job no more. And I was definitely worried. No question about it. Um, whose point of view did you respect more? Uh, Kyrie, who, you know, tried to organize a group of guys to not play and to focus their attention here on uh, social uh, justice? Or LeBron, who said, hey, we're going to play and organize the group of guys and said, look, we're going to uh, get out a get out to vote type campaign and we're going we're gonna to do it that way. Who's, whose point of view did you respect more? Kyrie. I talk to Kyrie all the time. Uh, I've, I've talked to Kyrie for the last four years, at least probably once or twice a week. That's my little brother. We talk all the time. And I understand, he understands this moment. He understands that the game is going to be there. 
But getting change and getting equality, we how long are we going to continue to fight for it? How long are we going to continue to ask for it? And he knows that being uh, professional athletes in the NBA, they have the platform to force change. And he understood not playing would have forced them to, 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 to make some steps to force change right now. So um, I'm always supporting my brother. I'm always down with him. And I, I, I know his passion. He loved, no, don't, don't nobody love playing basketball more than Kyrie. But he understands this moment and uh, how we need change right now. So I, I, I definitely respect him for that. Last but not least, most racist city that players in the NBA hate going into that arena and going to play? Well, let me tell you this, and you know me. I've always been the person to admit when I'm wrong. My whole career, Utah was the worst place, the most racist place to play at, right? And I've always spoke about that. When I played in the playoffs against Utah, I was shooting a free throw, and the guy had a life-side cardboard cutout of me in the jail uniform. Like the movie Life, I had on one of those black and white jail uniforms, right? Under the, under the goal. The NBA didn't say nothing about it. Nothing, right? But, and, I, and, and they were saying all kind of racial stuff. But me, at the end of the game, I embraced the guy, and I went and signed it for him and all that. Last year or two, the guy reached out to me. And uh, I was supposed to go back to a game and sit with him, but I never did. But I ended up going back to Utah for the big three. I actually got a chance to talk to some people because they saw me saying that Utah was a, was a racist place. And I got a chance to move around in the city with people just because of that. I take that back with saying Utah was one of the racist places I played at because those people were just at the game. I actually didn't know the people of Utah. They showed me a great time. They treated me like a king when I was there. So even though in my career, Utah was one of those places where I thought it was real racist, I take that back and I would not put that on them no more. You know, they showed me a lot of love and uh, I, much love to Utah. Well, let me just say this, much love to you. I'm so proud of you, my brother. Uh, I love you dearly. Uh, and I just appreciate, man, that you're doing this for me. Man, B, B, it's long overdue. I'm sorry it took so long. You know I love you too, man. We got a real, a real relationship, man. And the respect that I have for you, you are one of my mentors, like these other guys that I look up to in this business. So thank you for all you've done. And, and thanks for embracing me and allowing me to be your brother. Absolutely. That, there it is. That's what we do here on The Last Day in Podcast. We bring you some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment, like the one and only Stephen Jackson. Stephen, best uh, to you in your endeavors. Continue to lead because you definitely uh, have a calling. And folks, thanks for listening and watching The Last Stand Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us on our YouTube channel and continue to listen uh, and subscribe because we're streaming on all platforms that stream podcasts. We'll see you next week.